Blog Talk Radio. Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you're going to learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV, and we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll bring you uh, the information and the guests you're going to want to listen to, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. Uh, let me first tell you that my guest today is Mr. Robert Hoffman. He's a film editor. We're going to be talking about editing and nuts and bolts editing and, and uh, what you can do if you're an editor or a director or how you work. A whole bunch of, a bunch of really fascinating things. I want to welcome people who are in the chat room right now and invite you and others who are listening live to share this information, the link, the live link right now with other people who could tune in and join us live. Obviously, if you're listening to this at this moment, um, the chat room is open, but all shows are recorded and archived, and they're available at rexsykes.com. That's the official URL for Rexsykes Movie Beat. I'm your host. It's R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com, and uh, everything is available there in the archives. There's over 400 hours of professional filmmakers sharing secrets and tips and advice and suggestions and nuts and bolts uh, so that you can make your project faster, smoother, easier, and less expensively. So uh, you're going to want to go there and listen to archived shows. Uh, and I really appreciate it when you spread the word and you share it with other people by Twitter or Facebook or Google Plus or your favorite social media means you call or email or, or reach over to somebody right there at the coffee shop and say, hey, come listen to this with me. And uh, all, all Rex Sykes movie shows right now will be on Thursdays at this same time, at this same place, just so you know for the future. When and if that changes, we'll let you know that uh, as well. So, without any further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest. Uh, he is film editor Robert Hoffman. His recent credits include Grace Unplugged, a family drama that will be upcoming from Lionsgate, a release syrup, uh, a satire of marketing and American consumers that Magnolia Pictures is releasing, and uh, an indie comedy drama, Norman, for which he won the editing award from the Woodstock Film Festival. Uh, I don't know how current this, all this information is, so we'll have to check with Robert. And some of his other uh, credits include What Doesn't Kill You, uh, Showtime Family Film, Fathers and Sons, uh, a nonlinear romantic comedy, An Underworld Saga, The Air I Breathe, and Terry Zwigoff's Bad Santa and Art School Confidential. He's a frequent presence at, at Sundance, and he uh, premiered the 2010 movie Skateland there. Uh, and a number of other things. He began his editing career while enrolled at a graduate program at USC School of Cinematic Arts, and during his semester, his second semester, USC produced an independent film, and Robert was hired as one of the apprentice ed editors. From there, he went into uh, post-production supervision and other things, and we're going to ask him all about that uh, as I bring him on now. So uh, you keep listening, keep sharing the website, tweet about us while we're talking, and let other people know what's going on, and uh, and uh, we'll all be good. All right. Are you there, Robert? I am here. Thank you, Rex. Good morning. Well, you are coming in loud and clear. That is that is cool. Good. 
I am happy to have you. I'm happy to have you here. And um, I'm trying to get myself organized. It's one of those last-minute mornings. How's your morning going? My morning is going going well, thank you. And I'm I'm really happy to be here and to share any information that I have that might be useful or interesting to anyone. Fantastic. Well, let me ask you this: How did you get involved? I mean, I started to touch on it in your biography, and and oh, and speaking of your biography, uh, how current was the information that I uh, announced with these upcoming films? Are, is that uh, accurate, or is that something from the past? It's 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 fairly current. Um, I, I think it was something I had uh, probably written last year. Uh, Syrup Syrup was released and. So was Grace Unplugged. Um, they were released last year, uh, and I am currently working on a film called North of Hell that will hopefully come out sometime this year, although I don't have the specifics yet. And that's a another dark comedy under my belt that's really a lot of fun with uh, Catherine Heigl and Patrick Wilson in the leads. Awesome. Um, that's very cool. So I was asking how you got started. Let's let's go there yes. because a lot of people. I mean, you've done a lot of different movies. You and I met at USC, and uh, and so that is part of your back. I mean, I was um, we met uh, Ted Dig actually, uh, 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 David Lynch with uh, retrospective. But uh, but uh, but you were a student there. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Well, I was a well, I was in the. Uh, the MFA program, getting a, a master's degree in production, and while I was there, the school was producing a film, um, a small independent film, and they brought students on, and I ended up in the editing room, and from there, I started to to turn my career towards editing, and uh, you know, the next summer, I looked for jobs in the industry and ended up in an editing room as an assistant editor, which is how I began. Very, very cool. And so that people understand, did you begin in, in film at USC then? It was back in the day yeah. when we were still making movies? So would you tell people, because a lot of people don't know, they know they kind of get an idea what an editor does, but they don't know what an assistant editor does. And I, and I actually worked as an assistant editor only on one feature. I was a production manager on the feature, but they called me and asked me if I would assist and edit in a movie back back when I was oh, 20 or 21 or 22 or something like that. So I have a little bit of experience of, as an assistant editor back in film days. I'd like you to explain what it is that, uh, and you've got former experience, what it is that we do, what you do. Did. <laughs> Get it out. What an assistant editor does? Um, yeah, sure, of course. Um, and it's changed. It's changed quite a bit. And, um, it, there's, a, there's a difference between film assisting and digital assisting. But essentially, in either digital, analog or digital, it's preparing the film for the editor to edit. And a lot of preparation takes place. Now, in, in, the, in the film days, it was getting the film... Um, syncing the sound so that it matched the uh, the picture because they were two separate elements, and and then marking them with numbers that doesn't have to be done anymore. So that once the editor starts cutting up, they you know you're able to look at the two pieces and go and visually tell if they were um, going to be in sync, and and then filing things away so that things could be found that were not currently being used in the film. And also preparing preparing the roles of film, 
um, so that it, it's in a good order for an editor to, to look at and start editing. And some of that has, is now very technical. It's a very, um, um, it's, it's a very isolated job now, where and it's, it's, it's uh, you know, all done on computer, and it's, you still have to organize the material so that the editor can get a hold of it. But it's, uh, it's a lot different, and, and they do it in their own room, and, and basically can just put it onto a, in, into a, a file so that the editor can access it. Um, and you know you you could go without you could eye chat with your assistant um, instead of actually having physical eye contact. <laughs> yeah, you can be remote. In other words, where at one time you had to be pretty much in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. That's an and, and it's it's, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame for assistants, I think, because you don't get you you don't get that um, that one on one. You don't get to stand next to the editor. I mean, you can, of course, but your job does not call for you to do that. Um, so you you don't you don't get to sort of ingest and and absorb what they're doing. Um, so it, it it it's actually something I take upon myself with my assistants to try to involve them um, as much as I can because I realize how isolated it can be. Do you primarily now that as an editor do you have more than one assistant working at a time? I mean, is the is the job delegated out to more than one or? No, no, now now it used to be. I mean, on film you could have many assistants, and and of course on I, I work on largely independent um, features that are not uh, you know don't have a lot of special effects and. You know, so there's usually just one assistant editor, but you know, on, there's a, a movie cutting right next to me that's a big summer feature, and there's <laughs> there's so many people on that I have n I can't keep track of them. Um, but uh, you know, but a lot of them are visual effects people, and there's music people, and um, and there's more than one editor as well. So you need, I, I assume, an assistant for each editor. But I work with generally one assistant. Uh, that makes that makes sense. Now you began, you know, at USC as in post-production supervision. Can you kind of speak to what that is too, and how sure. and where the editor fits in the post-production process, working under the auspices of this supervisor? Um, the the post-production supervisor is essentially the um, post is essentially the producer of post-production. Uh, and 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 so that they're 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 in charge of managing the money, managing the schedule, setting the schedule, um, and also uh, just making sure things don't go over budget and uh, and dealing with changes. Um, they, they, I, you don't as an editor, you don't work for them. You work alongside them and hopefully with them and making sure, you know, having been a post-production supervisor, I'm very aware of money and what something might, not necessarily what it might cost, but that I'm about to do something that's going to add to the budget. So you, I, I tend to alert the post-production supervisor um, and keep them involved and keep them in the loop because, it's a, again, it's another isolated, definitely remote job. They're not usually on the same premises with you, and you want to keep them um, aware of what's going on. And, you know, they set up the... Um, they set up everything that happens to wrap up the film, 
you know, and so they're they're in, they're on the film long after we're all gone, just making sure that it's uh, delivered to the studio or the distributor. And and there's a whole list of things, a whole list of delivery requirements of what they're called, and of all these elements that need to be created for distribution that the post-production supervisor is responsible for not only making sure are budgeted, but making sure that they're completed. And those are uh, mainly technical things. Excellent, excellent. And, and when it comes to um, an editor, I mean, we're talking about productions that have enough money to, to do all this. I mean, you know, the, the emerging filmmakers today or micro-low budget things, they may not be able to, uh, even though they should, they may not have budgeted for post or for beyond post. They may not have someone in charge of post-production because in, in small productions, oftentimes people wear multiple hats, so the person who's trying to produce the production is also the post-production supervisor. They may or may not have an on-set editor or an editor from the beginning of the project, um, which I believe is crucial to have. In other words, any movie that's got the money, you know, that's a, a legitimate movie, brings an editor on from the beginning. Can you, mm-hmm. can you talk? Can you talk about this and why and and why it's it's critical for uh, both the director and the production to to be on from the start? Absolutely, uh, and and you're right. It it, it is critical. Uh, it's very important because I've I've done some films where. Uh, I've been brought on a little bit later, and what's what's really important. The editor should be on from day one, if not before. You know, I'm often I'm meeting with a director today about a script uh, that's long from being shot, just to discuss story. And it's important to like see things from it, see things from an editor's point of view, and to um, just you know, you don't have to. It's, it's important to well. I'm, I'm jumping. I'm, I'm actually jumping backwards. I should uh, to answer your question directly from day one of pro, from production. When you're um, when you're editing, the the editing room can now because of the technology, you know, have all the footage in the computer the next day. And as an editor, I can go through all of it. I can start cutting it together, and I can alert the director. If something is missing, or if I know the director well enough, if something is not particularly his or her style, and they could know the next day, they could know the day after they shot it, if if there is someone editing the film, and obviously they will be looking at the footage. But if there's no one putting it together, yeah, and that's it's, it's putting it together in a very rough form at that point. It's very early stage, but you can get an idea if something is flowing or or if a shot is missing, or if if there is an insert of a glass on a table that the poison is going into that is somehow missing, even though they got it in a in a shot over, you know, they think they have it, but but an, a closer shot would have worked. Um, you know, as long as they're still on the set, as long as it's you know, when, and once you mention it to the director, it might be something where he or she will say. Yeah, I'm very aware of that, and I don't want to cut to it. I definitely don't want an insert of that, and I don't want any. I don't want to be too close on it. But at least you've alerted them, um, you know. And, I, and if there are any technical issues, you know, there's a very good chance someone else may pick up on it. If it goes through a lab, um, they might pick up on it. But it's always good to have a, a few sets of eyes 
technical and creative on something, and that's where an editor can come in during production. And also during production, you're, you're putting together a rough cut of the movie that the director can then look at um, after the production is over and get a sense of what, how it's all flowing together. And that can happen as soon as they're done shooting if an editor is on from the beginning. Again, uh, excellent point, and I and I can't I can't fathom you know not wanting that you know I mean in other words it's it's one thing if you misunderstand it or don't know that that's the, the case it could be you know you know or if you had the money I mean there are people who go well I don't have the money I I think there are certain things that you know I I would fight for before I would want to go ahead. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, it would just save me a lot yeah, of time, and energy, and trouble. You know, I, it, rather than shooting myself in the foot and getting too far ahead and then finding out, geez, you know what? None of these eye lines match. None of these shots work. I can't cut from this or that. Continuity isn't there. You know, I mean, um, you know, it would be wiser to have somebody just right from the start. And and you know, when I think about, there's no way to say what I would put money into other than I would want to put money into an editor. You know, obviously a good you know director and DP and, and first AD and um, good sound and things like that. If if there was nothing else, and cast obviously, if if I if I couldn't afford anything else, and uh, I suppose craft service and food, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you need to make people uh, comfortable. I, I would want to, and I would want to, I would want to, uh, you know, make the production as um, savvy and and up to speed as possible with, with all the right elements. You know, it's. It's, it's to me making a movie is like baking a cake. You know, if you put the eggs in after you baked it, it doesn't work right. If you if you don't bake it the right amount of time, it doesn't work right. If you, you know, uh, mix your ingredients wrong, it, it it doesn't come out to be the cake that you had intended. And and I think with movies, you know, when with so much on the line, um, when you can involve someone like yourself from the very beginning, you are you are beyond being an asset at that point. Well, you, you you certainly you certainly hope to be, and um, it's it's very it actually the dailies process I find a little, I mean, it's exciting, but it's also nerve wracking because you, you you want to make sure that you're in the director's head when you're putting this stuff together. You know, if if it's someone you've never worked with before and you're assembling the footage, I'm assembling it to my liking because I don't know what what the director likes at that point, and. You know, so I have to be very careful with the notes um, or any input that I'm giving because I might be, you know, for instance, on on Grace Unplugged, which was a um, an inspirational film. There was one scene that I edited together like a suspense, actually a horror scene, and it was hilarious. I mean, I did it. To, I did it because there was a take where someone entered the shot in a very scary way, and it was a a, a cute meeting between a guy and a girl, and they were going to get romantically involved uh, eventually. And it was one of those cute meet scenes. Um, and uh, I did it to be scary, but to be funny. And the footage existed, but but I, I never I never knew whether or not that's how the director would have wanted it. Uh, it turned out it was his, the fav- one of the favorite things that I did um, for him, but. Um, had it not been there and had it been something he wanted, I wouldn't have known that it was missing because I wouldn't have known his um uh, wouldn't have known that that was the direction he was going in but when it's something that's obvious like uh, like uh, like eye lines that are off or or you know just a, a missing piece of of action 
or or just mismatches, you know, someone right. who's mismatching, which, which a lot of people don't notice and which actually is not that, which some people don't really find that important if you're watching people's faces and if you're watching, if you're, if you're into the story, you're not going to notice little things like that, but I do and I'm very... A very, uh, I'm always bringing it up to the directors just so that they're aware of it because someone will eventually pick up on it. Right. Well, I, and I want I want you to come back because I want to ask about something. But um, I believe, I mean, my personal belief again is that you know, I I'm directing something. I always want an editor to do a cut before I see anything. In other words, mm-hmm. you have the footage, you've seen the dailies, you, we've discussed them, you've got the screenplay. Now, my, my thing, and I'm sure it's just, not everybody is like this, but my thing is is I want to give it to someone like yourself and go, okay, cut it, what's the story there? Because I feel that I've been so entrenched in having read the script or written the script or involved in the production or anything else that I have a version in my head that I think I want to bring to the screen. But you have these... An, another set of eyes. You see things. You may find a story that I didn't even know existed, or a storyline, or something. So if and, it, and, I, and I'm hoping it's not a waste of time. But if you cut it, I could look at it and go, "My God, I never ever thought of that. I never would have come." Yeah. Well, kind of like what you were talking about the favorite moment ago. I would, you know, you've got a story here that I never considered. Now I may end up saying, "I want this changed or that changed as the director," and and I would expect you to fight me tooth and nail and say why not or I would expect you know or why your version were but but ultimately because it's a collaborative art form and I don't believe that just because a director is a director again it's my personal opinion um, I, I want the best thing out there on the screen and I don't necessarily believe that I'm the final voice in that or you know and that's why we work together so what about doing that single first cut without anybody taking a look at it do you do you have do you encounter violent opposition at times or or what's it like is no. It, it, it's it's wonderful. It, it's so it's 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 fun and it's frightening. Um, but it's something I always fight for. In fact, I've never. I'm trying to think. I, I've never not done that. Never done have not, not had a first cut. Even on the films where I started later, I ask how many days did you shoot, and they they tell me. I said that's how many days I need to do my cut before you guys come in and. Um, the, everyone's always on board with that. Uh, it, it's 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 so important uh, to me to be able to look at something fresh without any without knowing what they were going after. You know, I, I, because I might be completely wrong, and and sometimes you you know something will be compl- you know I'll, as soon as I hear what their what the original intention was that might, that'll you know certainly change how the scene is going to go. But I try to go with instinct, and I try to throw in every, <laughs> try to throw in everything. Uh, you know, I, I just I look at each scene with the whole movie in my head, but with the scene in particular that I'm working on, I read the I read the um, read the the pages for that scene, and then I look at the footage, and then I then I start pulling material and cutting it together and seeing what it becomes. It's sort of it, it's very fluid, and, and, and it almost edits through me, which sounds very strange, um, but <laughs> that's a little bit physical, it, but that's okay. <laughs> it, it does. It does, but it's true. It's, it's almost I like, my, you know, sometimes I'll look at something, I'll look at something two days later and I'll go, 
who who did that? Who came in here and did that? I mean, you know, and hopefully I'm saying, wow, that was good. I'll take credit for that. Um, but uh, uh, but uh, like on the movie, the movie Skateland, for instance, they they edited, they edited, they they shot without an editor. They didn't have time to find someone. They brought me in a few months later, and they had used an assistant editor who was very talented to do uh, cuts, and they actually recut with them. They, they had four versions. Then they brought me in and they said, we want you to do this. We don't want you to look at what we've done. And we want you to take anything out you don't think needs to be there. We want you to put it together in any way you think it should go, and then we'll look at it when you're, you know, when you're done. And that one was a little bit more daunting because I realized they had worked on it and they had a cut. And I and it was in it was in my Avid. I could have looked at it. The Avid being the computer system, um, the, the editing system. Sorry, um, but I, I just went by instinct, and I was able to go in order, you know, from scene one to scene one hundred, whatever. Um, when usually it's shot out of order, so you can't go in order. But the, since I was starting later, I could go in order, and I tried. I, I kept thinking, okay, what is it? what's a different way to cut this or how would this be different? What, what, what did they do and what should I do? And it was, it really kept me on my toes, you know, not that I tried to be, I didn't try to do anything crazy, but I tried to give them options and I, I had a little bit of fear in me because I realized what I was giving them was a first sketch when they had something that was a little bit more finely edited than what I could possibly give them in the, in, in an editor's rough cut. And um, when I showed it to them, I, I put in some things that were, uh, there was one scene that I really made sappy and emotional, and I realized what I was doing, and I realized it could get me into some hot water. And there was another scene that I really made crazy, because it was, it was a fight scene. And I was, it was viewing this from the, the, the point of view of the main character and what he was seeing. Um, and... Once when I showed it, one of the producers said to me after it was all after I, my first screening, he said, "You made me cry four times," and I thought, "Oh wow, okay, I guess I guess I nailed it." And um, it was a great experience, and it was it was really great of them to have the um, uh, the trust in in letting me do that, and and then. And then we were able to collaborate. And then I was able to look at the version that the assistant editor had done. And, and that was such a rewarding experience just to see, you know, in some cases, I remember in one scene I thought, oh, man, he found a much better take of that than I did. And um, another scene was edited very similarly. And I thought, wow, that's kind of creepy that we both hit the same marks. And, and then there was another scene, and, and, and this is in Skateland, that and I'm glad I didn't have this knowledge where they they didn't think they had the footage to complete it and they gave up on it and I turned it into a very funny scene and I'm glad I didn't know that they had given up on it either I would have tried harder or I would have thought I would have thought very little of the footage and maybe would have dismissed it but I made it into a very fun scene that um, I really enjoyed editing well, that's very, very, very cool. I want to ask you about the responsibilities of an editor because, I mean, we, we, people think about it. We think about it in different ways. Some people think of it as cutting. Some people think of it of it as assembly, which obviously you will still be cutting in in either case, you know. But I mean, 
the, the way that people approach it, some people think it's just taking out bad stuff. Some people think it's, you know, uh, <laughs> stringing yeah. things together. What, what are, what's the responsibility uh, uh, being an editor? What are, what are you looking for um, overall to what are the, the tasks that are involved? If you can uh, speak to those. Sure. Um, well, the responsibility is ultimately to put the story together in the best way possible. And that comes about through many, many ways, and there's many tasks involved in that. But you know, you start out looking at the footage, and at that point I consider myself sort of collaborating with the writer, the director, and the actors in picking the most honest material for that scene. You know, it might be a comedy where the stuff is over the top, but you still have to be honest with, you have to be consistent with performances. Um, you know, I just look for truthfulness, for someone to deliver the material in a way that sounds absolutely honest and perfect. And, you know, it, it, it may, you know, it, it may be different. There may be different lines delivered in different takes that you put together to do that. And, so the responsibility is to put the story together, and then that's that's considered the editor's assembly is a rough, a rough um, assembly of the movie. It's a rough, it's it's the it's the it's the film put together with every scene, and then you you work with the director, and at, at that point you start you you know you you try to hear what the director's point of view is. You get the the director's style, hopefully and then try to give the director more of that style in scenes where he or she does not realize that their point of view can be um, manipulated and in, uh, in, in inserted. Um, in, for instance, in, in, um, a, with Terry's Wyckoff, I, sort of, I knew that he liked a particular kind of – I knew there was something that he found humorous, and I was able to put it in a scene in Bad Santa where he didn't know that that material even existed. So you, you try to you get into the director's head and try to uh, insert their style in scenes where he or she does not even know that the material exists. And then you, you, know, you, you, you work with um, studios and audiences in, 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 in watching it with people is very, very important because you can, you can judge where the film is working. You can judge where it's not. You can judge where you're getting ahead of them or where they're confused. And um, it, it's, it becomes a different, a different animal at that point. And I, I don't, I'm still trying to figure out how that happens. You know, I, I, sometimes I can be watching a film with people and I see it completely differently whether I'm observing them or not. And I don't know if that's guilt or I'm suddenly realizing, oh, I, that's much too long and I'm so sorry that I'm wasting your time or if I'm actually feeling the vibe of the room. But it's a very exciting process to be able to show it to people and, to, um, and then to shape it more when it's done. And so it's, it's, it's starting from the raw footage to the completed film with the music and sound and color and the editor is responsible for guiding it and hand-holding the project along the whole route. Wow. Um, it's, it's so fascinating, and, and it leads me to so many different questions. One question that sure. I have you know, in this is, you say you're reviewing the raw footage, you know, it's not just chopping up the bad parts. You know, it's reviewing all the takes. In the old days of film, partly because of cost, uh, 
you know, if you had a, a shot ratio of, say, 3 to 1 or 5 to 1 or something like that, mm-hmm. you would print the takes that you wanted and not, yes. not develop the others because you couldn't afford to develop everything. So you'd say print 1 and print 7 or print 3 or whatever. That. Mm-hmm. And so that was what was then given to the director. Now, in this digital age where you could conceivably shoot forever and do 6,000 takes, with the people you work for, and, and this goes out for everybody, but I mean primarily emerging filmmakers and things like that who may or may not know, do they ever go print that so that you know what you're to look at versus just going through volumes of, of digital take after take after take, or do you just sift through whatever they hand you? Both. Um, they 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 circle takes, but by they circle, mark. there's this... Um, they mark it. There's this a person on the set called the script supervisor who yep. is responsible for coordinating between the, the the camera and sound and you know and and also with with regard to continuity and um, you know they're they're there to advise the director and just to make sure things are are are, are just make make sure that the script is being followed and that things are you know and and they they, they write they take notes and the director will often whisper in their ear various things about uh, about a certain take, you know, what they like about it, what they don't. And they will still circle that number. The circle used to mean, that used to be a signal to the lab because it would be on a camera report, on a sound report, and in the script supervisor's notes. And that would be a signal to the lab, this is the take to print to the sound people, this is the, this is the take to uh, print sound because the sound would have to go into 35 millimeter striped a mag as well that would be sunk up in the editing room in the process I described a few minutes ago in the film days. Um, but they still circle, and the circling means that's a that's a preferred take. But some but often they don't. And either way, I get everything. You still get everything. And I I take it upon myself to watch everything, unless it's unless they're shooting with multiple cameras and there's just not enough time. I'll try to watch it all anyway. Because uh, even even in the film days where they only printed certain things, you would find as you were going along that you would need something and you would hope that it would be in one of the uncircled takes and you would print those after the fact. So I, now you have everything. So you can, you can you, your instinct on, the, the director's instinct on the day to circle something may not be what works for the film three months later when you're putting it together. And so having it all there, as you do today, is really, really helpful. And me being able to watch it all is also very helpful because I might, at that point, I'll remember, hopefully, <laughs> that that material existed. You know, and the director will too because they were on the set. Great. Um, but you, you still get everything, and, and, and I do my best to look through it all to find the most honest pieces of material that will make the story work. That's very that's that one. It's admirable. The two. It's very cool. Uh, so you know, on set, the the first day he says, "Good for sound. Good for camera. Good for you, Mr. Director, or Miss Director, or whatever." And then, hopefully, the director says, "I I like that take. You know, you know, circle that one, or, you know, yeah, or before they move on, they go over the takes, and, and but but it is the communication between scripty and the director, uh, yeah. where you get your information from that production day, or from that mm-hmm. production. Time, so I mean, I mean it's a yeah, critical thing to know because now, nowadays people can just shoot forever and they can shoot long rolls and they, you know, and and not not market and different things and and they hand you, you know, I mean they could hand you any number of things. 
It's very difficult because they can keep running on and on. And I, I've worked I've worked on a project and uh, with with a director who will sometimes not stop and just or, or stop in the middle of a uh, uh, a setup and instruct the actors to go back and do something over again. So I'll be watching a take, but it'll really be three takes within that um, within 21 take seven will be eight, nine, ten, and eleven as well. And you don't know that. Um, and it's it's it, that's what's where the assistant editor comes in and being able to mark that material so that when the director comes back in the room, it could easily we could easily find um, that footage. You know, it's it's very important. The organization is so important in the in editorial, so that you know, especially now in digital, where where you can have a take that goes on for a very long time. <laughs> So I'm a director, and I don't know my butt from a hole in the ground. Tell me what I need to do to make your life easier and my film work. What should I do with my takes on my set when I'm there that to, to, to make it simple, you know, to make your life better? <laughs> I'm not just trying to make you feel wow. good, Robert. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, if you had Thank the opportunity you. to yes, <laughs> but if you had the opportunity to teach a, a young director coming in or something like that, go look. You know, uh, you want me to cut the movie? Here's here's how I need it delivered so that we can work together in the best possible fashion, so we don't waste time and we don't waste money and we don't waste any. What is it? How do you want to to receive these digital packages nowadays? I, I've I've never been asked that question before. It's uh, it's kind of daunting. I, I would, I, I like the, I, and it's a great question, um, and I'd love to be asked that question. Uh, I, I would want the material. I mean, first of all, I, I don't know why this is so important to me. I, I, I just, you know, for some reason, it really bothers me when they when they stop the actors and start them again, and you know, without without reslating a take. And that's not really important. That's something we can handle in the editing room. But for some, you know, it, I just think. I, I, I like when um, you know a take is marked and they go from start to finish, unless there's a problem, of course. Um, uh-huh. But most importantly, it's coverage. And I, I would say, you know, whether or not they they start over again in a take, I mean, that has to be what, what what's going on on the set, and I, I should I should have no say in how they how they run the set because it needs to be organic to what's going on with the people on the set, not with regard to what I'm going to get. We'll handle that. But what's important to me is, is, is coverage and just making sure that they don't edit in the camera, um, you know, which would mean thinking that they got something. If they're going to do a different size, if they're going to go to a close-up of someone, um, it, it, get the whole take. You know, I mean, as long as that, that's the position the actor is, in, you know, get, get, the, get the whole piece and, um, and have them enter and exit the shot. You know, those are, those are great moments. You know, those are great cutting points and those, it's also good for the actor. And um, um, you, you just try to get as much, not variety, as many, um, I think, angles and sizes as you can because it can just make it more dynamic, you know. And you, it, it, just because you have it does not mean you have to use it. And uh, that would also, you know, mean if if they they do a really great moving master shot, it's it's wonderful. And they might think that they don't 
need to get anything more than that, and they're probably right, but if they have the time, get some coverage, get some inserts. On, on, you know, I've worked on a film where the director had some really nice masters that they wanted to use in the film, and one of them was, for, was appearing very late in the movie, and it was an eight-minute scene, an eight-minute scene with no edits in it and no coverage. And we learned very quickly that an audience doesn't have patience for an eight-minute scene towards the, in the third act of a movie. Um, I felt that immediately when I saw the footage and had to figure a way, how do I cut a scene that doesn't have any coverage? Um, and there were a few scenes like that. So it's always good to get coverage. doesn't mean you have to use it. You know, editing does not mean having to edit. Edit means deciding when you're going to edit and when you're not going to edit. It's just, you know, I, I, I did another film where, where we, we had a little girl who was confessing her medical diagnosis to her classmates. And we decided, you know what, we have reaction shots. We don't want to see them. It's about her right now. She's talking to us. Um, so we don't have to cut. So um, I'd say get coverage. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to, to overcover something. Don't be afraid to get footage you might not think you're going to use. doesn't mean you have to use it, but you're going to be glad that you have it in the event that you need to use it. I always encourage people. You know, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, for example, I, I mean, I, I, I try and think of what could go wrong. So, for example, one of the things that I like to do is I like to shoot from the back. I always like to shoot over someone's shoulder, the back of their head, you know, uh, sure. I, I, so that if I have to loop something or, or, you know what I mean, that I can yeah. I can have them talk from the back, not necessarily have to cut to their mouth if there's a problem. You know, and it's just something that I go, okay, so we've shot the scenes. I've got their single and their single. Let's just put the camera over here. You know, let's, let's, let's get this extra thing here. So if there's any problems, you know, I've got, I can cut to the back of someone or somebody walking away as opposed to someone walking toward me all the time uh, in case there are problems. Um, I yeah. love what you said. I mean, you know, I was just recently on a film. I was working uh, on something, and, and, and I, would, I would go, you want coverage on this? And they'd go, nah. And I'm like, you're sure? You, you, you want to think, nah. And I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. And I don't know how, it, how it's going to cut together. But they just they would just do the, the you know, actor comes in the room, there's a conversation, and it would end. And I go, you want any cutaways? You want any inserts? You went, nah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's not not the best way to go. I mean, you, that's, I guess that's that's not even editing within the camera. That's not allowing any, I mean, it's a lot of trust, but, but you you just yeah. have to give yourself options because it it might not be that they might have the scene covered perfectly, but you, oftentimes you discover when you have a really good script and really good actors and a good director, there's going to be material that you don't need that the audience does not need to know because the actor is already playing it and because the writer wrote it and the and the director's directing it and the actor's playing it, you might be able to remove it. Um, there's a great story I heard about the show Friday Night Lights where I think Kyle Chandler would sometimes talk to the writers and he'd have a whole speech, you know, to give. And, you know, what actor doesn't want to, like, you know, give that whole speech? And he would say, you know, I think I can do that in a look. And oftentimes an actor can do something in a look, even though, you know, and you might just need the look. But if, if all you have is a master shot, then you're, you're kind of stuck with it. 
Um, and, and it doesn't give you the opportunities to look at the film as a whole because you're just dealing with that particular scene. And, you know, when the, when the movie is viewed as a whole, something from two scenes earlier might color this next scene that you now have no coverage on, and it, it gives you no opportunities to shape the movie and to develop it into what it's meant to be. Wow. Um, you know what? We're at that point where I need to take a, a break. I really appreciate that. We're going to come back and pick up uh, just about where we left off. But if you'll hold on for just one second, Robert, I'll make the, uh, the mid-time announcements, and we'll be right back, okay? Sounds, sounds great. All right, fantastic. <laughs> you are listening to my guest on Rex Ike's Movie Beat, Mr. Robert Hoffman. He's a film editor, and we're discussing, as you can tell, re- really some fabulous information about uh, editing and m- movie making. Uh, the official web address of Rex Ike's Movie Beat is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S. That's my name. It's rexsykes.com. All of these interviews are recorded live, and then they're archived at Blog Talk Radio and through my website and at iTunes as podcast. So you can listen anytime 24-7 to these, uh, these discussions that we have, but you can also join us live, and when you do, the chat room is open. Now, the chat room is sometimes persnickety and has issues, but we, we always like to take questions from the chat room, so if you have questions, you can, you can post them there. I'd be happy to ask my guests at that time. Also, please share this information with others. It's coming to you absolutely at no charge. You get it free. All we ask in return is that you spread it far and near. Uh, Post it anywhere and everywhere. Use Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, whatever your favorite, Google+, whatever your favorite social media uh, means is to get the word out there about my guest and my show because really, you know, we're talking nuts and bolts and secrets and advice and tips and suggestions for you at no charge. Um, so that you can advance your career and get your project done. So all, all we ask in, in return is post it on your walls, tweet about it, and in between shows you can keep tweeting and listen to the archives because that is uh, really important, 400 hours. All right. So we're back with uh, my guest, Mr. Robert Hoffman, and I'm really enjoying this, enjoying this conversation, Robert, and I know that I want to continue this into other programs with you. Uh, that would be great. Uh, this is this yeah. is really fun. I hope. Yeah, well, we I, I hope we can continue to chat. Well, we can, and we've got uh, uh, some time left in the second portion of the show. But before we go, uh, we will let listeners know that you know we're going to be back at some point. And we'll announce when that's going to be, and they can tune in and also right. help share share the word. Um, a question. A que- there's two questions that I have that are burning in me, and I want to make sure that I ask both of them. And one of them is a little bit about kind of about what you were saying. When you edit, do you ever, like let's say it's from 1 to 100, do you ever edit scene 1 and then lock it and then go to scene 2 and lock it and go to scene 3 and then lock it and then go to scene 4 you know, and try and get through a movie that way? How do you work now with nonlinear editing so that you create the, the best workflow for yourself? Um, do you do a loose rough where you get you know, master shots all strung together and then you come back and you put in your... You know, your how how do you personally prefer to 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 cut a project when when they've delivered the footage to you? Well, uh, that's a great question. There, there's it's very unlikely you're going to be able to cut in in the order of the movie. Um, I was able to do that on Skateland because they came on after they finished shooting. Um, there was other another film that came on in the middle, and I I tried. Actually, I didn't. I don't think I tried to cut in scene order because I was trying to cut in day order, so I would know if I was actually on my, on schedule, you know. Um, but 
it, it, it's, if, you're, if you're on from day one, as, you, as an editor should be, as we discussed earlier, you know, on uh -huh. day one they're going to shoot scene 20. They're going to shoot the scenes that take place in, in a particular room. If they have a few scenes there, you're going to get those scenes. And so those are the scenes I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut, and they're not going to be in order. But when I'm, when I'm putting a particular scene together, um, I'm trying to do a rough cut of that entire scene. So I'm not going to just put the master shots together. I'm going to try to do, I'm going to assume that, I, I mean, I'm never going to get back to that scene before I show the director, so I want to put my best foot forward. So I'm going to look at all the material. I'm going to pull out the, the, the things that speak to me. Um, mostly I'm going to pay attention to circle takes, but in some cases they might not be the best for particular moments. And I'm going to put a version of that scene together that uh, works as an individual scene. And then hopefully I'll have time to watch it in the whole scope of the film once I have all the material and see if it still works. And, and at that point, again, hopefully have time to adjust it before I show it to the director. And that, that is my question. I mean, that's excellent because, in other words, you're creating your first view of the, the film. Now, let's say you've done, you know, um, this is day one and you're now editing scene 27 and tomorrow you're editing scene 94 and the next day or whatever time frame you're editing three and then you're, you're, you're piecing these things together. Now you need to create this first rough cut. Mm -hmm. And it's either it's either you wait until you're all done, or you're doing it while you go along with the with the scenes that you have in the, you know, you you edited them out of order, but obviously you would be placing them in in order. Are you now? You may come up with something that is completely unlike the script. I mean, it, where you think this scene works better here than there. Do you do that in your rough to show the director the first eyes and go, here's my version of it, or do you wait until the editor the director has seen the scene one to 100 version that, that you know, in other words, how do you, how do you, how do you create yeah, this prop? Does, my, uh, does it, my question make sense? <laughs> yes, it makes perfect sense. And, and, and it's, it depends on your relationship with the director and what they uh -huh. want. I mean, there's some directors who, I, I worked with one director who I would say, look, I really think this scene needs to be taken out or this scene needs to be moved. And he, I remember him saying, that's something we can get to, but right now I want to I want to st stick to what the script is. I want to stick to the integrity of the script. You know, I don't you know cause the, I, I don't want to I want, want to see the way the writer had it um, laid out. Um, I worked with another director who had, who was the writer, and there were two scenes that uh, I told him about before he was shooting them. I said I really think these scenes need to be flopped. That this scene needs to come before the other scene. I said, I know that's something we can do in the editing room, um, but if you agree with me, it might affect the way you shoot it, so I thought I would mention that to you now before you shoot it. And he listened to me. He didn't agree or disagree. Um, and when I showed him the movie, I showed it to him the way it was shot. Um, and then one of the first things he said to me, he said, okay, now let's look at it your way. And... Um, um, it, so it depends on how the you, you know it's it's called the editor's assembly or the editor's cut, but mm -hmm. you you usually have to stick to the order of the script, unless if there's something that I feel very strongly about, I will I I might voice it, 
Um, I'm, what, what's so amazing and wonderful about digital editing that you could not do on film because you would just have one copy right. on film. And as you know, with digital, you have you know, just an endless amount of uh, opportunities or choices or, or copies right. you know, that you can duplicate that I can um, – that what I'll often do with the scene is I'll have a few versions of it, and uh, I might have that with a reel um, or, or a, a, you know, a, an assembly of scenes, and I'll say, well, I'm going to show the director the scenes in the script order, but I'm not going to lose this instinct I have to take this scene out or move this this way, and so I'm going to make a version like that for myself that I will then show the director after they see the movie the way that they see it in their head or the way that the scenes are ordered in their head. And, and also other times it, it's really, it's important to let the director come to a conclusion on their own. You know, there's, 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 there's a, there's a, there was a moment I had at a film festival a couple years ago where I saw a documentary and it affected me emotionally. There was a part in the documentary where I actually found myself really emotional and I thought, what is happening with me? Why, why am I emotional right now? This is like, you know, I was very surprised at my reaction. And I was talking to someone involved with the film who told me that the editor thought that was uh, too emotional and wanted it out of the movie. And it stopped me short. And I thought, oh my gosh, I hope I never do that. I never want to be that person who shuts the director down from a, a way, for, you know, from a good idea. And it, it's very, you know, you're the, the the editor is the principal nag. You know, you're you have the directors here all the time, and you have to be very careful with that influence, and uh, and also um, just, you know, if, if I don't like something, I need to be able to say why I don't like it and what the solution would be. Um, and I have really, I think, on far away from your question, so I. I will stop now. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's great because we, you, we, you know we're talking about a collaborative process, and and yet everybody Absolutely. tends to think. I mean, it, it's hard to discuss sometimes collaboration with. It, it's like the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, and we're talking to a part. We're talking, you know, that that and a part, a very important part that is helping make the parts of the film the whole. So, I mean, but, you know, there's the director and the producer and the editor and the sound people. I mean, there's all these different people and components and responsibilities, and and somehow we all work together to make, you know, this project come alive and hopefully come up with the best that we can version of it and everything, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So um, it is about working with people, and it is definitely about how you work with people and how you get their ear and how people convince each other of what the – uh, the way it's going to be, and they negotiate these things, and, and, and until you get the final product, you know, for delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask. So, so I, this is all very important. I want to come back to that, but I want to ask another question because you kind of said it. You touched on it earlier in a, in a thing about saying, you know, I can take two lines from different places and maybe put them together in the scene, or I cut away, or the, you know, I have a position of responses now, you know, somebody's responding and I don't need to cut to them or I do need to cut. In other words, there's an assigning a point of view, you know, what's being assigned to the viewer is what we're to pay attention to. So, in other words, you can cut back and forth between people or you can keep the camera on one person, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But we're being told what to pay attention to. 
you know, and the, mm-hmm. and the argument has always been in a stage play, you know, your eyes can wander all over the stage, but in the movie, you know, our, we're being completely directed to where our attention should be. And, um, which is cool. I like it. I mean, that's why I love movies. But, but here's my question, and it's a long way to get there. I used to tell actors, because I'm an actor myself, and, I, and I've been in this business a long time, I used to tell actors, don't, don't count on the editor to save you. You know, they can't, they can't fix a bad performance. They're never going to be able to do that. Now, so I, and, I, and I maintain this for a reason and a purpose, and I'll even betray my, my, my secret agenda here, and that is because actors need to be prepared. They need to, to get to the truth of the matter. They need to be able to do it. They need to be able to show up on set and do it. Now, having said that, I was in conversation with a friend of Rex Ike's movie beat. That is Rod Lurie, the director. And he goes, what, are you nuts? Do you know how many performances are saved through editing? <laughs> you know how many times you, know, you get a bad act? And it's true. I mean, we cut away from people all the time to, to cut for the strength of the performance. Uh, another friend of mine and I, he, he showed me the scene, then he showed me the scene he'd cut and how it was different, you know, when we were discussing it, you know, in, in a particular performance aspect. So I know that we can cut and make better performance. In fact, Rod would go so far as to say, you know how many people won Academy Awards because their performance was edited. <laughs> if, you'd seen the original, if, you'd, if you'd seen the original footage, you wouldn't think they were so great. So having said that, what, how can you talk to cutting to the strength of a scene, cutting to the strength of a performance, cutting to, you know, it's, again, it's not just taking bad parts out, but sometimes you've got an, one actor who's very weak in the scene and the other actor's very good, or you've got somebody who's overacting or somebody who, you know, or it just doesn't work. How do you massage it? What do you do to get the best scene with, with performers? That's a tough question, but let me first say that I've worked with Rod, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience um, on What Doesn't Kill You. He was the producer, Um, uh, and I used to listen to him on radio. Um, Uh uh, Yeah, uh, but as far as uh, massaging a scene, first of all, it's for me, it's looking for the honesty, and it's looking for. Boy, there's so many ways to attack that question. I mean, it's just uh, one of the, one of the things. You hey, you know what? About, I, here, you know, here, I'll tell you what, uh, and I'm not going to edit your response. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should. I should be edited. No, it's just it it's just ironic. be live. It'll just be however you respond. There'll be no editing of it. So, no, anyway, no, I'm go ahead. Edit me. <laughs> no, um, when when I when I, when I'm uh, when I'm in a conversation in real life. There are times where I think about where should the camera be? What would I be cutting to? What would I be looking at? And sometimes I'll actually look at people and think, no, I don't think I'd look there. And it's like, oh, that was a bad cut. Um, and you know, it's, that has nothing to do with your question. I just needed to say it. Um, but no, no, no. It, it, um, but it, 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 it's just something that you reminded me of when, I was, when you were asking the question. I mean, I think the, you know, you, you, I look for the, the most um, important the proper and what's proper, but the, what what seems to me the most honest versions of a take for a particular scene, which might you know, and for instance, there was one movie I worked on where we noticed, actually the director noticed that a particular actress would be, um, uh, as let's say she did three takes, the last take would be um, aloof and the first take would be warm. And you could manipulate it. You'd go, you know, at the beginning of the scene, 
um, this particular scene. We need her to start out friendly and then become a little less friendly. So you would you would you would manipulate not manipulate you would massage the performance by you know using parts of the first take for the beginning of the scene and parts of the uh, parts of her last take for the end of the scene. Um, and it's and as long as it flows together and seems honest to uh, to the whole, then it then it then it works. You know there there are also moments in a comedy where. Um, I remember cutting to a particular actor because something was funny, but I didn't. But the the continuity of it was it kept bumping me. Um, but the director liked it that way, and because it was supposed to be funny, and it wasn't about the continuity. But the the point of that was to be funny. So you have to make compromises, and um, I think you have to look at a particular scene and see what what is needed for these characters in this scene. And and you you go from there, you know. Um, I, I and it's and if there's a weak performance, um, I've worked with people who will tend to cut away from them. You know, I worked I, I did a I worked on one film that was um, it was a recut, and I remember I was confused in one scene. I said, I'm, I'm hearing a disembodied voice. Why, why am I hearing this disembodied voice? And and it turned out to be someone that 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 um, didn't deliver the line well enough. And we found a way to 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 make it work because I think you have to work with the strengths of, with what the strengths of the performances that you have. Um, there are also ways to um, to uh, to cut within a shot. You know, to use half of the frame and digitally stitch it together. Um, and sometimes that works if you have some sort of mismatch or um, or something that isn't uh, um, working well. So there are avenues. I mean, I know it's a tough one to to do without a specific example or without showing, you know, where you're just trying to talk. But there are things that an editor obviously has to do in order to to make the scene the best it can be. Yeah, for for instance, to me, I find the beginnings of movies are always difficult. You know, you have to get into the tone of the movie, um, and you have to tell the audience what this what the story is about, what the what the conflict and goals of the characters are, um, to get in the right mood. And I remember the, the beginning of Ghost World as an example was, uh, you know, as as it was scripted brilliantly and and directed brilliantly. It, the the actresses who were doing a great job, this Carlett Johansson and Thor Birch, were not liked by the audience because it seemed like it was a scene where they were laughing at a disabled girl in a you know in a wheelchair giving a graduation speech. It did not it did not <laughs> um, uh, make the audience uh, like these characters. So in in a, approaching a scene like that, you look at it and you go, well, how do you make them likable? And you, you what you do is you get into their head. And um, and the way we approached that was to make it an awkward scene and make us laugh, make make the the speech giver um, uh, unable, like I just was there, to deliver <laughs> deliver her speech <laughs> and to take really great pauses and to 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 um, to be very very uncomfortable. And then you cut to, then you cut to the lead actresses looking uncomfortable, and then suddenly you're with them. 
and it's in and their performances were completely there um it was just figuring out the best way to shape the scene to uh to to work on the on everyone's strengths and so, and, it, and it worked go ahead sir no uh, i'm i'm done <laughs> no 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 I, I i like that i mean in other words it's there are those things i mean when you're testing things out you know does the audience like or not like a particular actor actress or character or you know so when you said you know show it to people and have people you know look at it and view it and then i, I imagine you want honest answers i always find it really annoying if if you say to somebody or if somebody says to me you know i didn't get that and then if i'm explaining it well what you need to know is this um then i'm i'm not taking their observations to heart i'm defending i mean even if it's not intentionally defensive yeah. i'm defending the work and i'm not hearing what they're saying so i'm not being open to what they might need or what they're requesting in order for it to be better if that if that makes sense or for it to be easier for them to understand it, no, it makes perfect sense. I always find when, when somebody explains what a scene was supposed to be or what was supposed to happen or what, what they did, what they missed, I sometimes will say to whoever did that explaining, I said, so you're going to be at every theater explaining that to the audience, <laughs> that that's what's supposed to be, or are we going to fix it? You know, because the, the point is it's very easy to try to explain something because, you know, you see it very clearly, but you, if the audience isn't seeing it that way, then you have to either say, well, I don't care, which obviously you do, or we need to figure a way around it. Um, and one of the, one of the, a great way is, in, I remember it being in, in a screening in a large theater of a, a test screening and sitting with people watching the movie for the first time and hearing them whisper to each other and getting ahead of the movie and I, it's horrifying to me. I thought, oh my gosh, they're ahead of us. We have to like get ahead of them. I don't want them to be guessing what we're doing here. You know, it was, it was a very, it was a, a mystical action film and, you know, and there were certain things that we needed to keep them on their toes and, you know, it was fun for them to say, oh, here's what I think this means. But, you know, I, I'd rather we caught them off guard so they didn't have a chance to take a breath and think that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you have to you, you it, it's you you don't have to listen to the audience you know, but you have to be aware that they're speaking and I think another great example of that is on on, on Skateland what that sappy scene I referred to earlier I remember I it was, it was towards the end of the movie it was a nice moment between a brother and sister where he's teaching how to drive and they're talking about their lives and at the very end of the scene they covered dialogue over again as they were going through this action. And I liked the way they delivered the dialogue earlier in another part of the setup. So I thought, how can I use this last part of the scene where they're driving into this parking lot without them speaking? And I thought, I could play music and I can make it emotional. And so that's what I did. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I just turned this into something too emotional and sappy and I am going to really get in trouble. But I'm going to show it to them because it's the first time they're going to see it. And what if they like this kind of stuff? Then I can maybe do another scene like that if it calls for it. I'm just, you know, going to give them everything plus the kitchen sink in the editor's cut. And sure enough, you know, the director did not like it, but one of the producers did. And um, we eventually showed it to an audience. And we asked them, 
we said, did, did you guys feel this was honest? And they said, did you fi- find it was part of the movie? And they said, oh, yeah, it seemed, didn't seem sappy. And I thought, really? I even find it sappy now. You know, I, I did it, but I found it sappy. And then one, other, one person raised their hand and said, but we thought something bad was going to happen. And I thought, well, that is not the reaction I would ever have expected. They thought something bad was going to happen. And the way I interpret it is, is we went off, we went off the path. We did something that they did not find honest, so it made them tense up thinking that we're playing happy music because we're about to strike them with something terrible. <laughs> um, and it was great. We, we, we listened to the audience. Um, it's not what we thought they would – it's, it's not an answer we even thought was in the, um, in the test booklet, but it was – it was a great answer, and it led us to the same conclusion we would have come to to take that out, but um, for a completely different reason. And then, and then the irony of that is the director, in an earlier version of the script, he had told me that actually in that scene something bad did happen in an early version, um, but um, they took it out. So this audience member was probably a genius. Maybe they're running a studio now. <laughs> it could be. could be. We've got yeah. a little over 10 minutes left, just so you know, so okay. you have a time frame. By the way, I'll call you back right after the show. Just uh, I forgot to mention that. I'm going to give you a call back. But anyway. Um, Great. Um, I wanted to ask, and you may or may not, for this example, necessarily uh, provide the answer. Um, who, who wins out, the producer or the director in a case like that? I mean, in other words, uh, some directors have final cuts, some don't. So, you know, I mean, in other words, with politics, and it doesn't have to be this particular thing, but are you, are you, when you are hired on, do you, do you have, I mean, and nowadays, you know, it's very popular to come out with a director's cut. The reason why I ask this, I'll, I'll give you the reason, because in today's emerging film market where anyone can go into a, a store, buy camera, buy editing software, make their own movie, oftentimes one person wears all hats. They don't, they, they're the mm-hmm. writer, the director, they uh, edit their own film, you know, and it's, it's the notion of the auteur, you know. In other words, I have my movie and nobody can tell me what to do. I've done it my way. In fact, I washed the bottles and I hung up the laundry and I've done everything for this film. And now they want to get it distributed. And, you know, and, and they may have tested it or not tested it. It's, it's a rise or fall or sink or swim kind of thing, as opposed to all of the different kinds of things that, that can occur when movies have a budget and when there's tests and when there's unions involved and everything else. So in today's political climate, oftentimes, who do you, do you find yourself, I mean, you're, who are you cutting for oftentimes? And, and does that make a difference? I mean, I, sure. you're, deliver, you're cutting for the director, deliver to the producer. You know, I mean, another. You know, I mean, go ahead. I, I, I'm always cutting for the director, and I've had the the fortune of working with good producers um, who support the director's vision. Um, uh-huh. but so that so that even if there's a difference of opinion, it's something that through mutual respect they'll work out. You know, there are there are situations with very strong producers and I've done a film like that where there will be a director's cut that is completely different from not completely but but significantly different from the um from the theatrical cut but for the most part in independent films people tend to be on the same page or there'll be long discussions or there'll be compromises 
um, you know, about, you know, about a scene. You know, in that particular scene with the, the, the driving scene, everyone agreed with what needed to happen because of what we heard from the audience. You know, and everybody, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, you don't do the film um, any good by trying to make it about your ego. It's all about the film. You know, every, people are going to have different points of view, but ultimately the film should tell you what it needs to be. Uh, and but but you do also find yourself sometimes making compromises because you know you might say well we're not listening to anything the producer says um, but so let's let's do these couple things that the producer likes just because we, we you want to make them feel involved and this isn't going to hurt the movie <laughs> um, whereas if there could be something significant like a particular scene that they might say we want in or we want out and you have to stand your ground and ultimately. If the movie turns out well, everyone is going to be happy. If the movie doesn't turn out well, but they but somebody got their way on a particular scene or moment or performance or piece of music, what does it matter? If it if it doesn't turn out well, what, what good is it that, that you got your way? You know, you might you might feel good for one day and then nobody sees the movie or nobody likes the movie, I should say. Uh, um, so it it's. I think on smaller independent films, everyone ultimately needs to support each other and respect each other, I should say, um, in order to make it the best film possible. Whether that works out or not is is totally different. And But the thing is, as long as you're able to express yourself well enough as to why you think something works or does not, you're able to have a, a mature adult conversation and see the other person's point of view. And um, uh, I, I was ha having email exchanges last night about something with with a, a writer friend of mine about something in Bad Santa, which was 10 years ago, and my opinion about whether the character changed or not, and his opinion about whether the character changed or not. And it was interesting, because it's like these things can go on forever. I mean, that obviously had nothing to do with whether the film would have been different, since this is someone not involved with the film. But it's if you're able to express what your feelings are you can often determine what's going to be best for the film. No, oh, that's excellent. And 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 part of uh, my reasoning behind this is because you know film is collaborative, and and I, and mm -hmm. I think you've made the point that you can't blame an editor just because the scene is in the film, or or for that matter isn't is, yeah. or isn't in the film. I would imagine. And and can you expound? Yeah. I mean, I guess we're talking around that, but I mean that is part of the point. I'm going to go ahead and mention my second part to this because because of our time. We literally have about eight minutes left, and we may or may not get to that. Okay. We'll come back and talk about all other things. But the idea that you know you, you very you've mentioned it here before, but you've also you know between you and I you know mentioned you you can't just give criticism without providing a solution. So the ability yeah. to communicate with your directors, your producers, and everybody involved, and because it's collaborative, so those two are the are the my guiding thoughts with what I've just asked you. So, going back to, it's collaborative. You can't blame the editor for a scene. Right. Um, well, it's it's very true. I mean, something. It's I I I think the reason I brought that up once is is I remember this is not a, always a good thing to do, but you know I, I was going through IMDb and somebody was it was i think it was about art school confidential somebody didn't like a scene uh, somebody wrote a blog or a, 
a comment on IMDb, didn't uh-huh. like a scene, and, and said, you know, the editor's a terrible editor because that scene is in the movie. And I, I thought, oh, no way, I'm going to respond to this. And I almost responded, and I thought, wait a minute, I don't know who this is. <laughs> I obviously don't understand movies, and I can't believe I almost responded to that. But now I am responding because I'm talking about it with you. Um, but I thought, it, you know, that scene was, you know, there's a lot of people responsible for that scene being in the movie. And it was a good scene on top of everything. Um, but uh, it's, you know, it, it's a stack of, it's, it's a house of cards, you know, a film. You know, you take a scene out that maybe isn't a perfect scene, but it, it's withholding up the scenes that come afterwards, and it's the glue that connects it to the scene that came before. And, um, and because it's a collaborative effort, maybe it isn't an important scene, but maybe the producer's, you know, sister is in it, um, you know, and, exactly. it, you know, it's, uh, but ultimately it also does come back to, even if the producer's sister is in it, you've got to be able to say what's best for the movie. There, there's a, I, I remember someone coming to film school, going back to USC, uh, and talking about coming in to do a recut on uh, a film and the first thing that they had to say is there's a particular storyline that needs to be removed. And he had to tell this to the producer who was an actor in that storyline. And it was really hard to do. But I also think that when you say things like that, when you are honest with people, with your honest, you know, that you, you get respect, you know, because it might not be something they want to hear. Um, but it's something that they're going to appreciate that you took the time to say. I, I, I did a I did a recut on a movie and I I asked the director if I could I've never done anything like that if I could have a couple of days alone with the film just to restructure it and I restructured the first uh, act the first half hour and when I showed it to her I left the room I said I, I don't want to be in the room with you when you see this it's completely different and I you know I'm afraid I'm just a little embarrassed if I ruined your movie and when I came back she was smiling and I said. Well, what do you think? And she said, it's not the direction I wanted to go in, but it's so exciting to see what what can be done. And um, and that's the right attitude. It's just, it is exciting. It's, it's, it's collaborative. There's a lot of directions to go in. And I personally feel so lucky to be in this business and to be doing what I'm doing. I'm very grateful. And... Um, and the, but going back to collaboration and going back to uh, criticism, which was the second part of your question, um, right. there, some of it's instinctual where you're going, eh, something is bothering me about that. And it might take a couple weeks to figure out what it is. Um, and I, I, remember, I remember being on a, on a film where I didn't like a particular... I don't remember what it was. It was, a, it was a dissolve. It was a cut. It was something I had to do early on in the film, and it was bothering me. And the director said, why? I said, I don't know. And, he, and it really bothered him that it was bothering me. And I realized I, I can't just say something bothers me without having, being able to, to explain what's bothering me. And he finally said, it's just not your style. I said, you know what? I think that's it. I mean, he was able to nail it. It just wasn't my style. It wasn't my way of cutting. And there was something that I felt a little off about it. Uh, doesn't make it, certainly doesn't make it wrong. It might make it, you know, whatever is right for the movie is right for the movie. But, um, 
you know, it's 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 a give and take. And at the end of the day, the end of the day, you have to, you know, look at it and say, this works. And you know, and and if it works for an audience, then you know, then it does work, even if it doesn't work for you. What I what I appreciate about what you just said and the, about the ability to articulate it and or search for, you know, giving, uh, you know, some background to the comment is, it, you know, if we took it out of the movie business and, and put it in the in the world of dating and you were sitting with somebody for the first time over coffee and go, you know, there's something about you that I'm uncomfortable with and they were like, what? <laughs> I just don't know. I just I just I don't know. It's just stuff. I mean, you, you would send them on this infinite search, this regress of going, well, what is it? Is it my hair? Is it my face? My breath? Is, is, am I boring? I mean, they, you know, they'd have to go constantly through searching through things. And I, I think the ability to be able to provide, you know, like I, here's where I think this needs to be adjusted, if you know or, or when you know. I mean, the ability to communicate and, and articulate these things, um, you know, <laughs> does become um, crucial. And but I also understand when when things are when something is off. Sometimes we don't know what it is. Sometimes it's an intuitive thing with us. You know, um, we won't talk about this now because we don't really have time. But but like you know, and, and you may or may not have seen the movie. But like Lars and the and the real girl, I always use as an example of of the most deliberately, incredibly, intensely painful pacing I've ever seen in a movie. Notwithstanding whether it's a good or bad movie, or whether people like it or don't like it, I just when I would watch this movie, I just go, "This had to be so so deliberately thought out <laughs> to make it go like that," you know, in everything. Um, so there are things that we respond to, you know, and, and we're not sure yet mm-hmm. what we respond to, and it takes a while for us to formulate that into into words. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, I don't want to leave it at that. It's all you need. Huh? It's all you need. It's unique and personal, you know, to to each individual. But but you know, when you're when you're working for a greater whole, like a like a film, you have to think about who's going to watch this, and do you want to make sure it's it's something that a large group of people can watch, hopefully. Now, this this will probably have to come back to, but but I think that's an incredible an incredible point. I think a lot of people think, you know, I have a film. It's it's to me, it's like throwing spaghetti against the wall, and whatever sticks sticks. And whatever falls away, falls away. People go, I have a film, and people either like it or they don't like it. And I and I and I agree. I mean that 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 truly is the case, no matter what. You know, you put a pair of shoes out on the market, and some people like it, some people won't like it. That's just the way things are. But as a as a person who's presenting a product, I would think I would like to get the most people I could to possibly like it, whether it's in my vertical niche or whether it's over broad spectrum. I mean, you know, it may be genre specific yeah. or whatever, but I want, the, I want to maximize who likes it. I want to maximize my profit potential. I want to maximize my word of mouth. So it's, it's kind of like, in what, this is why I think it's important. You have to think about who's going to see your movie and what their response is to it. I don't think that that is wrong for a filmmaker to take that point of view, and I hear so many young filmmakers go, well, they can like it or not. Like, I don't really care. And, yeah. and I get where they're coming from, but I don't know that that's truly what commercial art is about. I mean, if you want to just go make something and hope that it, you know, you're the artist, that's one thing. If you're trying to be inside of a business, which is about selling and marketing and having a return on your investment, then, then I think what you just said, you, know, you, you need to do what's best for the film, and you also have to consider the audience that's going to see your film and whether they're going to respond to it in the way that you hope that they do. Am, am I, am, 
I don't want to ask for like a simple agreement or disagreement from you, but I mean, does this make sense? I mean, am I? No, absolutely. I, I was just having that same conversation with a, someone over a script, an ending to a script I read, and it was an ambiguous ending to a, to a, a thriller horror script. And I said, I think you need something that makes more sense and that isn't ambiguity. And he said, but it's art. Uh, and I think the word you used is commercial art. And yeah. if it's commercial art, then I think you need to do something that um, you can still be creative and you can be unique. And you don't have to be like everyone else, but you also have to do something that that can Your mom, somebody other than your mom has to like it. <laughs> Yeah, right. absolutely. You know, and otherwise, you know, it just it just determines how many people how many people do you want to see and enjoy it and appreciate it. Um, there's you know art houses and there's commercial movie theaters and it just where do you want it to play? Yeah. Well, Robert, let me say that we are out of time, and you have been absolutely okay, I'm fabulous. Sorry. When I come, <laughs> you've been wonderful. No, this has gone by fast, and you you provided it lots has. of. And we're going to come back. We'll talk about you know working collaboratively with producers and directors and getting into the director's mind and a whole host of other things that are important and uh, that I won't go into all now. But I am so looking forward to our next conversation. I just want to tell you that. And I know from uh, me too, Rex. This has been this has been a, a lot of fun. I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt. It's, thank you so much for letting me be part of this, Rex. Oh, you know, you've been great. And, and I know from chat room and from responses I've got by email that people are really enjoying this and. And, and I just can't thank you enough. So here's what's going to happen. Oh, I mean, we're going to hang up now. You're going to come back. We'll let them know when you come back. We'll, you and I will discuss when, when you are available and, and when, it's, you know, when the show is and all that kind of stuff and give them those details. Meanwhile, I'll call you in a couple of minutes. But uh, have a fabulous day, and thank you so much again, Mr. Robert Hoffman. Thank you very much, and thanks, everyone, for listening. All right. Later. Uh, Fascinating guest indeed, Mr. Robert Hoffman. I really enjoyed having him on the program. I look forward to having him back. And again, we will let you know when that is. Uh, you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat at RexSykes.com and Blog Talk Radio and iTunes at the podcast. Please share this discussion with everyone that you know, all your filmmaker friends and colleagues. Put it out there on Twitter and Facebook and use your favorite social means. Call people up, email them, you know, and let them know about it. I want to thank Robert for being here today, and I want to thank you, the listeners and the readers of Movie Beat. I've got many more exciting guests coming up in the near future, so be sure to stay tuned and please keep sharing uh, this website and these interviews with your friends and contacts. Again, we'll be meeting here same time each week on Thursdays. That's what my schedule allows for right now, same time, same place. You can become a friend of Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends on Facebook by going to the Facebook page, clicking on the Like button, and joining us there. There's also uh, film networking a group and Rex Sykes Movie Beat group on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Rex Sykes Movie BT. That's Rex Sykes Movie BT, and you can follow there. And, um, and uh, you know, I hope that all is going well for you. My next guest coming up off the top of my head, because I closed that window, is, uh, is uh, manager Paul Bennett of PB Management. He is a talent manager, writer. He's responsible for uh, creating TV shows, and uh, uh, he worked with Comic Relief for many years, and he's going to be my next guest. That's next Thursday, which I believe is uh, the 6th of March, if I'm not mistaken. And so be sure to listen and tune in then and to help me. You know, when you see my tweets, 
uh, please share them and spread them. If you see my Facebook, please post it to your wall or elsewhere. I really do appreciate that. Thank you kindly so much. Everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies. Complete your projects. Until we meet the next time, that is a wrap. <laughs>